welcome everybody to the Santa Scholars podcast. This is our second time out, and today I'm joined by Boscos Box, and we've also got uh, Johnny on the line as well. And uh, we're going to be talking a bit about masculinity, and uh, especially in the context of uh, maybe how masculinity is viewed today, as opposed to maybe what uh, the classical uh, conception of what masculinity is and maybe in what ways we're suffering from a lack of old school masculinity um, especially in Ireland and how it's badly needed um, we wanted to kick off things though by maybe touching back on uh, a couple of things that we brought up last week and I know that Bosco he's got a, a one or two corrections he'd, he'd like to make and set the record straight on so um I'll turn it off to you, Bosco. Thanks, Credit. Yeah, as we said there in the first um, episode, we're just normal Joes. We're going to get things either wrong or mistakes, and we'll attempt to correct them as we go along. So I know I said last week that, um, you know, we are the first arbiter of right and wrong. I suppose what I meant to say is that we don't achieve this alone, but through grace given to us by God. Thus, we need God's help in order to restore the good of our nature and to bring us into conformity with his will. And to this end, God imbues us with his grace, which comes in the form of divinely instantiated virtues and gifts. I just want to put that out there that, you know, um, to believe that we're the Arp- that we control our own destiny is a form of uh, Pelagianism. And we'll get into those heresies maybe along the, you know, as, as we progress. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, actually, maybe just since we're there, maybe it's a good idea to even just uh, expand upon uh, Pelagianism a little bit because I know I'm I'm sure it's it's probably what's very prevalent at the moment because uh, i definitely guilty of it myself. And um, what I understand it as is that you can kind of take whatever your own perspective is on what the teachings of Christianity of uh, Christ's teachings and uh, scripture and even uh, the Catholic Church's teachings and you can interpret those in your own way according to your own uh, will that's right um, and you don't you can kind of discard bits you don't like and you can include bits you do and you can kind of come out with uh, your own kind of make you be kind of almost protestantism i don't know does that yeah i mean it's a it's a heterodox christian theological position which holds that original sin did not taint um human nature and that humans have the free will to achieve human perfection without divine grace and that's what i wanted to clarify because, as you were saying, Credit, there is a, an element of almost kind of um, relativism, in it, relativism in it. And relativism mm-hmm. is yeah. a moral concept whereby uh, we view everything subjectively, that we decide what is true um, ourselves rather than what is objectively true. So a good example is just say we were all in a maths class, yourself, myself and Johnny. And uh, the teacher said, what's one and one? And uh, I stood up and I said, well, I'm a relativist and I think one and one is three. And you two lads said, no, no, it's it's two. And I was 
continue to argue that, well, in my belief system, it's three. And that's the fallacy, yeah. and then that's the crudest way I can put it across. Hmm. Johnny, do you have anything to yeah. say about that? Yeah, I, I think that's very important. But it's funny because in one way, we're exploring this thing, right? But that does open us up to sort of our interpretation of it. So we are, we're trying to get the correct version is what we're striving for. That's right. Um, but I suppose, yeah, even when you hear e. Michael Jones and stuff, he talks about the Logos and truth. And a lot of uh, religious direction, I suppose, is trying to get to the truth, trying to get to the absolute, and I suppose God being the absolute and all that. So, yeah, I, it, that is the way, all right, yeah. I think it segues well into what we were going to discuss today, Creda, about masculinity. Do you want, have you any comments on, um, you know, what do you, if I were to pose to you, what is a, according to the church, what do you think a man is, or what is masculine in the church? Mm. Creda? Well, yes, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a, it's a curious one, uh, especially in, in our time at the moment, because, uh, even the whole question of, um, you know, uh, a binary masculine feminine is is would get you into trouble. You know, if you, if you even insisted upon that, let alone that uh, masculinity has become feminized, and that's that's you know a, a, a bit of a, an issue because um, in that in that construct now that we have, whereby there's a, a multiplicity of genders uh, and whatnot you have uh, this kind of um, illogical way of of uh, progress would you say um, yeah it's well, a they, form they, of distortion would, in, a, they, in a way they, isn't they would, it they would, they would they would they would probably call it progress not to believe yes that there's a that there was a, a binary masculine and, and femininity and so the the issue there is um yeah, I think you need to kind of go back to the original conception of maybe what masculinity is, and uh, and then uh, expand upon that. And then, you know, once 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 we have maybe a, a concept of that, um, you know, I think we're you're on firmer ground for for certain. But uh, for me, for me anyway, masculinity, if I was to think of it in in, in traditional terms, and. Uh, you know, I probably, I probably, my best shot at it would be to, to say that, you know, there's a certain expectation that you're going to have to uh, tough it out. You know, probably you have a stoic disposition, and um, you know, life is life is not always uh, so so kind of forgiving, and it can be arduous, and you have to overcome certain adversities and yeah. soldier on, and you yeah. have to do your best. You have to provide and provide in a material sense for your family and you have to provide in a spiritual sense for your family yeah and yeah. that is the for me that's that's um that's in my mind what it is now maybe maybe i'm guilty of pelagianism uh, there in that respect yeah. because uh because that's my 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 interpretation of it but uh maybe i'm wrong but um that's that's what i'm that's what i'm i'm going with Sure. But, uh, Johnny, if I threw the question over... I, I don't think I am wrong, but I mean, like, I, I would say th those are those are the traits of, of masculinity, masculinity to me, but I'm kind of thinking that th today, maybe those, those those things, they're not, you don't see a lot of people aspiring to them, certainly in popular culture. 
you know um i'm sure there are people out there and they're, they're doing it in their own way and yeah. i hope it's not for me to judge or to, or to criticize but um i think the archetype of masculinity is definitely somewhat uh deconstructed with all this postmodernism. yeah well i mean karl marx i understood said about christianity that it is easier it is easy to become a saint if one does not want to become a man and i think it's this uh, distortion of christianity that that has infected our uh culture and how it views christianity and you know kind of um you know sadly christianity now is imbued with an awful lot of effeminacy um johnny what would your conception of masculinity within the um through the uh christian uh lens be yeah uh, well, I agree with credit there, especially with the stoicism and the sort of facing adversity and providing for those around you. That's really how I'd sum it up. But I, I suppose even that whole thing is summed up by, you know, the phrase, I could be doing Pelagian stuff here now as well. But, uh, you know, bear the cross. You have to bear the cross. <clears throat> you always hear that. Yes. But I, when I actually look into um, a lot of it, uh, when you look at Jesus, he's the ultimate man. We all aspire to be like him. Yes. But when you think about it, as a metaphor even, he lays down his life for the good of all around him. Yeah. You know, he, he leads the people around towards a better way and all that. That's that's what a man does, really. Even providing for the family. And even if you look at Mary as well, she's she's like the perfect example of what a woman should be. She's the great creator. Yes. You know, she, she creates the great life. So, yeah, that's, that's how I kind of see it. I don't know what people think about that, but those are the two ultimate characters that we all aspire to be like, uh, as, as being tough, as burdening, as providing, uh, and, and loving all those around us and making people around us better. Yeah. That's how I would see it anyway. Good man. Well, Catholicism promotes, and it's contrary to popular belief, as I said, that tends to inhabit the zeitgeist, that uh, timidity, conformity, and credulity are not the marks of a holy person, uh, male or female. Yeah. But it highlights that manliness, and this is the true understanding within the Christian concept, that manliness is neither machismo or kind of a braggadocio. Do you know the kind of the we all see these days kind of, you know, the um, the geezer, the uh, uh, do you know, the what the culture might term toxic masculinity. And uh, now I have issues with that terminology myself. But I think what we're kind of uh, segueing to is. Aquinas's conception of kind of the the role of the mean and how kind of um a vo- you know that vices are in excess and that the hyper male is contrasted with the vice of deficiency which is called the you know whereby the man becomes the effeminate male um Craig, if i were to ask you there i mean what do you think is the state of the church as regards to masculinity amongst the leadership at the moment yeah there doesn't seem to be a, a whole lot around at the moment i mean from what i know um you know i, I believe uh, bishops they were um they were red um you know because uh in traditional uh t- more traditional times you know it, it kind of came down to the bishop uh, to defend the faith and you know to there was a willingness there to, to be martyred in defense of the faith, you know? Yeah. And um, you see a lot of um, capitulation at the moment. There was a video uh, going, doing the rounds, and um, 
it's a lovely video to watch and it's uh, a lot of people they've they've taken it upon themselves to to plead with um the hierarchy and and with the government as well um, to open up uh, the churches and letting yeah. it go back to mass that was yeah. the video and i think it was posted out there on catholic arena which is a great uh, t- twitter yes and i believe they're up there on telegram as well so anybody can really get on get on that and there's a lot of good content put, put out by them but uh, i it, it did strike me that it kind of illustrates the the uh, extent of where we are now the depth of where we are now in that people are pleading for what is you know by all rights is is uh it's actually enshr- enshrined in the constitution in the constitution that people um you know they have the right to um practice their religion yes. and uh not only that there was there was e- there's even a special provision in the Irish constitution uh to the worship of god and to see that the bishops don't seem very interested in negotiating their position. They don't seem in, to be terribly perturbed by uh, the denial of the sacraments, and it's nearly a voluntary act by them. I, I don't even think there's an explicit directive from. Do you the think government. there's a certain uh, apathy words, at the top, Greta? Some sort. Sorry. Do you think there's a certain apathy at the top? Well, it, it loops maybe back into what you said, uh, the statements that, uh, and I don't mean to be picking on um, uh, Dermot Martin all the time, but um, he did say that he's quoted as saying it that, you know, if he had his time back again, he might be doing what he's doing. And yeah. what he's doing at the moment isn't all that great, you know? I mean, he, he, you, I think it's fair to say it's, it's apathy. I mean, it's uh, there's probably things, far worse things you could say about it. And, um, you know, I think that's a kindness to say that that it's apathy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in in contrast, you you've got I know, and and here's the thing. Like again, I don't want to be too big for my my britches, but you know, if you probably had asked me about a, a year or two ago, you know, could I could I name um, the bishops, uh, the current bishops, uh, that um that I have their um have their uh, that are in charge of the various dioceses in, in Ireland I probably couldn't have named that many but um, you know there was one bishop there I think it was the Bishop of, of Waterford um, I think his name is Alphonsus uh, Clonan right. and he seems he, he in fairness to him he, he seems to be kind of um, piping up a bit more about it but I mean there's nothing really happening from the top there's no there doesn't seem to be any um, matter, and they seem to be totally res- res- resigned to the fact that you know, Christmas is on the line. You know, but they, they, you they, came they, across they, an article, didn't you, uh, Greta, about that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, there was an article there I threw up on. Um, it seems to be coming. The irony of it is that uh, it, it's it's a it's an embrace of the secular worldview, and that is a form informing the opinion. Yeah. of the of the clergy who are you know supposed to be you know I would have thought they their 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 uh, first go to is supernatural faith yes. above and beyond yeah. everything yeah and in times past when there was plagues and famines and you name it you know that was their time to shine in a way because 
uh, if somebody was uh, dying of, of, of plague or was in radical condition and needed the last rites, you know, the brief priest, in my mind, would have been the first one there to administer administer the, the last rites. Yeah. And now it's kind of like, you know, they just don't seem to be... And I'm sure, don't get me wrong, there's, I'm sure this priest said there, and they are doing that work, and they are... Uh, but, but they seem to be those priests would probably be, be doing it in spite of the, the guidelines that is even coming down from the hierarchy within the church you know yeah. how about you Johnny what's your understanding of the current uh, masculinity or absence of masculinity amongst the clergy as Credit pointed out would you be along the same lines or would you be well I I I only recently started looking at this. I was listening to a lot of stuff, evolutionary psychology. Um, what's his name there? Ed Dutnack, I think he's great. He does a lot of stuff on background religion. But when you think about it, you have your family, you have your man providing for his direct family, right? Uh, kin, kin selection, passing on your kids. And you have your group selection. Yes. Uh, those who kind of go around that and they're, they're for the benefit of the group. And you see that with priests, really. And even when you think, when we when we think back, and we call we call them father. Yeah. You know. Yes. And if you think of a priest, they're actually like the army general of the parish. Yes. They're in charge of the whole parish. Yes. And if if this was a war, especially a spiritual war, which is really the leading tactic of the way the world is going right now, it's all spiritual and subversion yes. and all this. Yeah. A priest is playing and will play a massive part in that yeah. as the as the army general to keep us all in line. Yeah. But what we've seen so far now, like, is a bit, you know, it's not it's not the strongest. We saw a couple of priests there now, a few counties. There's a guy in Monaghan, there was one guy in Cork I read as well, uh, that said they were going to say mass and that was it, and keeping people in line and all that. Yeah. So yeah, I I think there's a lot a lot to be stepped up, but I think it is amazing that there's seen as these kind of harmless characters when in fact they are the leaders of the parish all all around which which i'd really like to see that again well if i can expand on that role a small bit if you don't mind uh to be manly aquinas asserted we ought to possess the virtue of temperance the exercision of true justice and i assume not of the sjw kind that we see today that is kind of um, a la carte cafeteria catholicism he also spoke of fortitude and prudence. Um, he also posed the question, are my actions pointing towards charity? If not, then one is acting unmanly. However, charity should not be confused with, as far as I'm concerned, compromise, submission, ignorance or naivety. And I find that that seems to be the present understanding or corruption in a way of the virtues that kind of um, were very... Uh, that were nascent in the church, but developed over time and effectively kind of led the great missionary work. Credo, what, you know, do you think that those um, virtues are absent in the clergy at the moment or the laity even? Yeah, well, here's the thing, you know, I mean, we, we can probably gripe about the situation and, you know, uh, it's not ideal, like, to be honest with you. Um, but... It, there's a couple of factors there at play and uh, I kind of think we talked a bit about um, I think we talked a bit about Vatican II I don't think uh, many of the priests that probably got on or many of the clergy that got on board with the with the Vatican II probably I don't think they would have anticipated everything that kind of came to pass um, uh, no 
I, I, I suppose I had a slight aversion. I'll be honest with you. Um, to uh, team my obligations to go to mass because when I, you went to mass, um, there was the, the you had obviously the novus order mass. I, I didn't even really have much of a concept of of uh, a, a Latin mass, and I suppose um, was this before you reverted? Is it? Beg your pardon. Was this before you reverted to the faith or? During yeah, your convert yeah, reversion, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, I've I've been to, I've been to mass, of course, you know, but yeah. at the same time, um, you know, I didn't have anything to compare and contrast uh, to the traditional Latin mass. Yeah, and like when I first went to a Latin mass, I kind of it struck me about how the mass isn't about necessarily the, the priest. Even it's not about you per se. It's everything is orientated. In terms of worship to God, yeah, okay, and that's that's it's very kind of it's much simpler in that kind of respect. Where whereby I kind of think um, the um, the Novus Ordo Mass, it kind of nearly turns into uh, it's very kind of like a happy clappy kind of thing. Yeah, um, a youth club almost. Yeah, you know, um, and it's not to say that it's wrong or it's it's you know I'm not I'm not I'm not saying anybody should go to one or the other well you can't go to either at the moment yeah which is uh which is exceptional i think it's ex- it's exceptional because I, do, I don't even think you know uh you know even if you go back to the penal times like the, i don't think the priest really self-imposed it wasn't it wasn't self-imposed upon themselves like the the strictures and the restrictions they weren't self-imposed by the by the church and, and getting back to the you know the the secular powers that uh, prevail at the moment, namely our government and Irish government, and they're giving these these uh, these uh, rules or guidelines, with these kind of pseudo laws uh, to people, and you know, there's it almost like a willingness to to you know, it's they say they say jump and the and the church and, and most yeah. people at the moment they say hi, hi. Um, so just just getting back to the getting back to the land mass, so like. That really appealed to me, uh, because uh, the well, the the low mass is just you know straight up mass, and uh, it's there purely the sole purpose of 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 going to mass, worship, worshiping God. And Would you say that it's be- it. being being a bit more reverent about it? I, yeah. I suppose. Um, because because it, it hadn't even really occurred to me that um, you know when you're receiving Holy Communion that you know this, this there was an innovation in Vatican II where they brought in communion in the in the hand yeah. and I never really thought about it or I never really understood why that might have been a problem I, I kind of do think that when I was younger I remember when I when I made my Holy Communion I think that uh, one of my relatives told me to not receiving that but it was never explained to me like why i shouldn't you know yeah yeah and that's not to say that receiving holy meaning in your hand is is is, is wrong i don't think it's 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 ex- explicitly stated as such by but do you think that's part of the problem that more, the these well, forms of irreverence have come in by stilt which affects the well, entire kind of culture and i hate using that word in the terms of yeah. mass but like it's like opening the door um I mean, 
Jimmy or Johnny. Jeez, I keep getting your name mixed up, Johnny. <laughs> you know, will do. Uh, but, uh, you know, did the Novus Order have an effect on why you stopped going to Mass? I, I found that crazy to think that this was a thing. And that's worth an episode in itself, that change of where the Mass done Vatican II, all that. Yeah. That's worth the thing in itself. But I couldn't believe it that there was like, um, I was at a thing before and this woman there told me about traditional Catholicism. I was like, what, what do you mean? I didn't really get it. It took me a while to get it. And, and all of the stuff uh, changing, changing up and all that. But like Craig is saying there, when I went to a Latin mass, there is something about it. It, it was, it was uh, amazing to be there. It just sounded incredible. It was, it was a lovely thing to be around. But I do like as well going to the mass and hearing... Um, hearing all the stories every week and having time to reflect on, I suppose, the moral of it all and the parables and all that yeah. when you come away from it. Uh, but changing on that, yeah, I, I would like to go back to the original. I'm just thinking there, masculinity, when you take communion and I back to the sacraments again, yeah. and I thought today, actually, confirmation, right, because someone told me uh, about the bar mitzvah with, with the Jews, right, Yeah. that when they, they kind of become a man from that day forward or whatever, yeah. and then it just occurred to me that confirmation Yes. You're being confirmed. And I know you laughing because it sounds like something from Sopranos. Like, <laughs> yeah. we, we confirmed this guy, you know? Yeah. But that's saying you're you're now an adult, you know? You're now becoming a man or a woman. We're now giving you the Holy Spirit as well. And that's part of probably, I suppose, being an adult too. You have a Holy Spirit. You're, you're, you're strong enough now to go out there and be part of the world and all that. So it is interesting, right? But the change in the church... I, I just think that's that's mad how, how that actually happened and how it is knocking down. Like even there, like you're saying, with receiving the bread, like a big part of religion I've found is the, the humility of it. Yeah. Like you're, you're you know, you, you, you kneel, you do all this, you come before God. Like, and I suppose if you take receiving it into the hand, it's kind of it's kind of a small little challenge to say like, you know, I, I'm not on that level. I'm rising up to this and things like that. So there's good reason for all of it when you look into it. It is a bit crazy, all right. But do you think that there's so much accommodation now in the church, right? This element of compromise, let's do make things, you know, super woke. Um, let's be ultra tolerance, a distorted form of tolerance, as we explained last week, that tolerance is about accepting the existence of something that you dislike, not acquiescence. I mean, Aquinas explained the importance of perseverance and... Um, you know, doing something on account of, you know, that it is hard rather than running away from its, um, from the fact that it is difficult. Uh, Credit, do you think that we have, you know, um, removed ourselves, uh, you know, uh, from, you know, certain difficulties or hardships? I mean, I hear priests there saying that, listen, we'll get the pre the, the mass done now in 20 minutes and uh, we're all, you know, that would be great. Yes, I went to Africa and people used to walk for miles. It's like the Irish of old. And, at, and you know, at Christmas Eve, the mass could last for hours. What What do you think, Credit? Do you think there's an element of... Um, so I know you've mentioned submission to the culture and how it has affected the church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I suppose... We're in a, we, we know we're in strange times, but because I think everybody is so uh, mollycoddled uh, by the comforts of modern modern life, you know, it's, uh, it's a huge 
uh, I, I, I think of people, they, they, it's easier just to kick back, you know, and there was a, there's a huge emphasis on ent- entertainment culture all the time for, for young, young people, you know? Yeah. So everything, everything is kind of geared towards the, you know, a distraction and even, you know, you know, uh, being on on your phone and stuff like this, you know, it's very easy to kind of get sucked down into into rabbit holes. Yeah. And uh, but I would hear young people say that they're kind of oh the mass is boring, but it's not meant to be entertainment. Well, yeah. this is it, and and that that's it exactly. Uh, and as as well with that is that whole entertainment thing is that you know you've got all these bright flashy lights, you know. Whereas you know, um, if you go into some of the old churches, like they are, like they're kind of very poorly lit, you know. Um, some of them can be quite cold and, and that, you know. But it's it's a kind of a you need to kind of have a bit of a spiritual hunger about you as well, you know. I mean, you know, to light a few candles, get down on your knees, say a few prayers, you know, take time out of your day and to kind of meditate or reflect or say a prayer to God. Yeah. Uh, on 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 behalf of somebody, you know. Um, you know, that's getting back to what we were talking about, um, you know, in terms of masculinity, that, you know, you've, you've charity in your heart. Um, you know, you've, you're thinking of other people, you've charity in your heart. You've charity towards God. Um, so that's, that's um, a, a contrast, you know, to the bright lights of, of and the, and the um, you know, the high resolution screens and everything, you know. Yeah. But I mean, even if you look at Irish history there, you can imagine that during the penal times and the mass rocks, people didn't have guitars singing come by. You know, Johnny, what do you think? I mean, did our ancestors, because of the persecution they faced, had a greater respect for what they were going to lose out on? Well, definitely, yeah, definitely. They were, were, but they they were probably really involved with each other. But I think when you think uh, like the adversity of all draws people closer, but just saying like the entertainment factor, like that that boy it, itself is escapism. When you come to mass, you're doing the opposite of that. You are contemplating the, the important things in life. Yeah. Like sometimes you go into the the church sometimes, and I'm just like, oh, I just can't believe how amazing some of the structures are in there, some statues, some of the things yeah. inside it. And you just get, you really zone in. You do the opposite. You don't zone out like a film or whatever. You yeah. zone in, and yeah. you're trying to find yourself. And you do the rituals, and uh, you give, and you come out. I don't know. Trying to you're contemplating on that for the hour, but in in the times before, I suppose yeah, the luxury there wasn't the luxury. They had to really think what was important. You know, it was like, there wasn't stuff there, so just whatever was uh, the necessaries and stuff. Yeah. But even if you look at, as you said there, uh, Johnny, about the um, the role of architecture and, you know, you see the amazing architecture of the past and this mason work and the uh, the effort. I mean, cathedrals used to take centuries to build. But now, credit, you see these kind of teepees and they're, you know, there's, there, sends, there tends to be a, a, an absence of the transcendental. And I think, again, that affects how people approach the solemnity of the Mass is, itself. What do you think of, you know, the current type of uh, architecture, Credit? Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a fan, you know. I, I, the, the kind of buildings, you know, you, you give them about 20 years and they start to look very, 
you know, very uh, dilapidated and run down. And but there's no kind of you can look at some of the churches, you know, the the older churches, and um, they they're timeless, you know, they they really are. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I have seen a couple of churches that I that I kind of do like that, um, but they're kind of built in modern churches. I mean, but they were kind of built maybe the 60s, 70s uh, around Ireland. But there was a lot of craftsmanship gone into them. There was um, mm. there's an they're, they're kind of using modern materials, but the to kind of drawn on the archetype of of previous church building. But now some of the some of the newer ones. I mean. I don't even know if there's that many churches being built in Ireland at all yeah. in, in recent times. But I imagine um, there's more I, mosques being built than churches. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, as super super mosques. You know, yeah. when's the last time you yeah. saw a super church? You know, yeah. um, super like, pubs, uh, all right, but no the, super church. I wonder what was the last cathedral that that might be worth researching. You know, in Ireland, when, when was the last cathedral yeah. built? But um, yeah, I, I I just I just find there's a lot of pebble dash. <laughs> Yeah. You know, in the, in the yeah. more in the newer churches, you know, and um, there's a there is a there is a, a supposition about a, a lot of that, and it kind of kind of ties in with um, the uh, work done by Taylor Marshall, and uh, he's he's definitely worth checking out. If anybody hasn't um, heard of him, I'm sure he's uh, he's he's definitely prominent in circles uh, in America in America in, in Catholic circles in America. But he, he looked into a lot of it and he, he kind of uh, read a lot of the uh, documents around Vatican II and kind of traced back why they might have taken the decisions that they that they made. And he talked a bit about uh, how when they changed the Mass, you know, that when you're at a traditional Latin Mass in a, in a traditional church type of um, nave and everything is kind of directed towards the altar, and the the tabernacle is in the center, um, you know, behind the altar. Whereas in the Novus Order uh, type churches, they're they're kind of more round, they're yeah. rounded, and then they have a f kind of free floating altar, and then they might have the tabernacle tabernacle off to the side, and everything's kind of more, you know, not centered on, you know, the the tabernacle you know well i think that kind of goes into the culture as well where we kind of have abandoned this notion of hierarchy and there seems mm -hmm. to be this anathemization to hierarchy as if it's something bad yet i mean i think hierarchy is very associated with kind of uh, masculinity because i mean i know johnny was saying about you know the role of, you know the military has a hierarchy the church has hierarchy between deacons, priests, bishops, the pope, whatever, archbishop, pope, or cardinal pope. And, um, mm. you know, it's, um, I think, you know, that type of architecture tries to, or the new architecture tries to kind of impart this kind of um, modern notion of equality. And, you know, obviously we're all equal before God, but like, you know, we're not, we, we're all have different roles as well to play um i don't know what yeah. you think about that i'll leave that open to you i'll just say yeah actually i mean even the church says that again the order is god jesus man woman child you know man is the head of the house yes and we've kind of lost that i've been at a few masses there the newer ones and wherever it said mankind they replaced it with people that's right you know, I've seen like that. This. yeah 
and with for man and he or whatever and they just they've they've replaced a lot of that but i i found a lot of the like we're saying there like the, the priests and the, and the religious people with a history of being martyrs are real tough men like unbelievable they'll stand up and they'll face they what they will face yes these these evil problems or whatever whereas now i think a lot of it probably has to do you know the abuse stuff that came out all yeah. that flack i think their response to it was was rather than challenge it and deal out the justice like you're saying like you know the the Aquinas stuff you deal with justice uh but rather than doing that they sort of went on a downward spiral of appeasement well they've kind of eliminated one limb i understood the church always be about mercy and justice two limbs yeah but now under pope francis there seems to be an over concentration and mercy and i believe that if you eliminate one limb you're not actually giving true mercy either and i liken it in a way to you know if you if you're teaching a toddler how to walk right you're going to be compassionate to to the toddler but there's an element that the toddler has to endure pain by falling down to learn to walk. And I think, you know, we've compromised so much that we see now justice as something that is almost kind of uh, authoritarian, that it is yeah. contrary to compassion. And I mean, St. Thomas Aquinas understood the vice of effemacy as kind of obviously the opposite of masculinity. But like where a man is ready to, fors- you know, he saw masculinity where a man is ready to forsake a good on account of difficulties which he cannot endure, you know. And that and yeah. that's the role of effeminacy. And like, you know, you were saying there, Johnny, about the martyrs of old, you know, you have, there's a very famous picture of St. Miguel Pro during the Cristero Revolution who had his hands outstretched like a, a crucifixion being shot by the, the communists. And um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. like nowadays, we have certain clergy who won't even bother to talk about the unborn or uh, uh, same-sex marriage because they fear not, you know, being labelled, um, you know, uh, on PC, on politically correct. Credo, what, yeah. where do you see this going? Yeah, I think they, they're afraid, you know, and they probably rightly should be afraid as well because um, you can see that um, there, there is a mob usually out there that's waiting to descend and waiting to, um, they're looking for an excuse really, you know, and I think um, in the States, you know, uh, they seem to be, you know, always kind of leading the way with this kind of stuff but you you see that the and it, it kind of ties in with we've seen it before you know we, even with the russian revolution that um when these revolutionaries kind of start uh, a campaign of uh a, a revolution they always in inevitably you know the the church is always the the the, the target they might kind of segue here and there between various secular opposition that are being conservatives or whatever you've seen that playing playing out now in America. But you saw there in Chile, you know, um, the um, there was a big, um, almost like a repeal movement that was quite quite uh, strong in Chile there. Yes, and, that's right. Yeah. Uh, they kind of metamorphosized into this antifa 
kind of militia and they just burnt out a church there now what happened what chile i i know chile i think all the clergy um uh, resigned there was a lot of uh uh, clerical sex abuse again uh, I'll play there but doesn't that and, doesn't uh, the sexual abuse come back to the element of a lack of masculinity where you know these men who have certain predilections a lot of them pederasts right. who target teenage boys that you know they let their own desires uh, lead their you know lead their vocation instead of their piety yeah yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's a lot come out there recently as well um, with regard to the McCarrick report. You know, um, again, we're, we're not going to go into it in great detail here, but, you know, there's huge, huge um, revelations there about what went on. And, uh, you know, again, you've got this internal thing going on in the church where they are nearly trying to apportion blame on the people that were investigating it and trying to expose it and uh you know downplaying the um the some of the some of the culpability and uh, people that were covering up this uh, abuse so the church is you know again like the, there's a battle happening and we talked to we touched on it there's a battle happening i think at, at a civil society level obviously we left and right but that exists in the church too yeah you know, that that does appear to exist in the church too and there's a kind of a balance of power happening and um i suppose the the church in ireland the priests um and the bishops the, the good bishops they're probably looking around to see well what support do we really have do we do we do we show our hand now do we do we you know um but does that not work know, maybe, both ways though credit because like they're the shepherds i mean if we don't yeah. see them behave it's like what johnny was saying earlier on about the father they're leading they're the ones leading the parish so to speak in the you know the analogy of the military right and like we expect our leaders to lead i mean they were called to a vocation they accepted it they went through the, the yeah. study and effectively they're the ones who we call father in the parish yet they're there's an element of and I hate using this word, but I'm going to throw it out there, an element of cowardice. Um, now, some might, people might say, no, they're just being cautious. But at the end of the day, they seem to be more worried about what the media call them. And let's be honest, the media are no fan of them anyway. So they're never going yeah. to gain their approval. Yet it's the faithful who are looking to them saying, listen, are you going to stand up? Are you going to lead the fight here? Yeah. And that's why, in effect, that's why we're here, lads. I mean, we shouldn't have to be doing this in a way. Um, none of well, us exactly, are experts. That's why, we're here. that's why we're here. And that's and we're here maybe not so much to reach out to the priests. We're here to maybe reach out to people that are like-minded to ourselves or that are open to listening to this message that we're putting out. And we're here to probably appeal to those people to get a critical mass of collective um action going to demand that um priests open up the churches demand that the bishops open up the churches and to you know because we whatever about you know perhaps the church is letting us down our, our civil authorities have totally 
let us let us down. And I'd even go so far as to say, you know, it's nearly and it feels like enemy fire this time from our from our own government in terms yeah. of, um, you know, the the persecution. And I would call it a persecution. You know, but uh, would you I mean, say that the on, on mul- multiple on multiple levels? I think you know what what's happening now uh, is a form of uh, psychological terror. I think, um, and it's a form of religious persecution as well. Um, so I think I think um, I'm, you know, if I'm if I'm, I, I I won't say here, but you know, you can look at it that and say, well, is that being done consciously uh, mm. by them? And that I leave for the people to kind of have a think about. Um, maybe we will we will we will address that maybe. Yeah. And pick that apart at some stage, but you know, maybe it's unconsciously, but you know, that doesn't mean that you know we should all kind of roll over and wait for um, the priest to take up the fight against this uh, this this form of soft tyranny. Well, I think um, we have no option at the moment. Enjoying. But would you credit say on that topic, I'll go back to Johnny there in a minute, but like yeah. at the end of the day, there is an expectation that, you know, the priests have taken a, a sacred vow to, um, you know, to profess the faith. And yet they're genuflecting to the culture. And it's not, let's be honest, it's not just with COVID. This didn't happen just yeah. with this lockdown. I mean, during the abortion referendum, same-sex marriage. Um, I mean, the Dermot Martin had no problem voicing his opinion on people who didn't wear masks. So in fairness, they do tend to raise their voices when they want to. It's quite selective. Yet they remain very quiet or, you know... Um, chose their words fairly carefully when it came to egregious issues like abortion and same-sex marriage. Um, Like, I don't have the same expectation of politicians because I think most of them are quite self-serving, yet priests are meant to serve Christ, not themselves. Yes. Johnny, I'll bring you in there. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, it's basically holding holding our leaders, our religious leaders, to account. But we're lucky enough that there is the manual, there is the Bible, you know. We can't yeah. say, well, you know, that's not that's not the way it is. This is the way it is. This is the Bible. This is what we're about. So there's lucky. But I think Credit said it very well last week, um, that it was, this is our religion, and, and this is what we're trying to do here. We're trying to get the full understanding, make a great argument for yes. it as best we can. Yeah. To that. Before we throw this thing out, which is, well, we think vital and all that, what exactly is it? Like what? Give it its its full understanding first before we throw it out. Uh, so you know, if we can do that, I think we we'd be doing a very good job. But as part of that as well is like, you know, if there is a case now, it's an episode in itself. The abuses, and I think that's everyone's first thought now with church. The abuses. Yeah. So if that is the case, and we're about justice, we're like, yeah, well, let's look into, it. let's sort it out, let's let's yeah. see what this thing really is, because. Is it a thing that could be the opposite as well? That's there to drag the whole thing down, which would be a very effective subversion. So we want to look into it. We want to figure this thing out. We want to get back on track and all that. Yeah. But I suppose that's where the element of masculinity comes in because masculinity is not running away or hiding things. It's a certain confidence, not arrogance, but confidence to say, listen, we're all, there are only two human beings who are made perfect, right? And one was Christ, and that was he had two natures, divine and human, and obviously Our Lady, right? And yeah. the rest of us are peccable. We'll make mistakes, and we must remember that Christ chose Judas, you know? 
I mean, in the Bible, I yeah. was only reading it the other day about that, uh, you know, when Judas, uh, you know, went his way, you know, Christ yeah. said, listen, we must get a, you know, we must choose a new uh, apostle. And of course, the apostles are, you know, the originating uh, bishops or the bishops uh, uh, take their, you know, their progeny from the bishops. Go on, credit. Just, just to look back in, interestingly, interestingly enough, uh, the uh, the apostle that um, subbed in for for Judas was Matthias, and uh, I think Matthias was um, renowned for his uh, uh, for his um, you know his stoicism and his you know he was very kind of um, strict with himself. He was ascetic, he, um, yeah. You know, so if you it kind of encapsulates what we're kind of talking about here is that you know that's interesting um, yeah yeah you know like it, it's it kind of it's a little summation of what we're talking about here is that you know the the flaws and the errors of judas were kind of almost counter opposed by the the uh the, the virtues and the the self-sacrificing nature of, of Matthias who, who replaced him, you know, but I um, just thought I'd... Yeah, that's no, that's very interesting, I actually. I knew, I, I knew they're just on, on, the, on the topic there of Jesus, you know. But I mean, I, I presume none of us are expecting kind of our priests to turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, all buff and kind of, well, sadly, it has a yeah. whole different conception <laughs> these days. But I just like to read out something here that I came across and um, about masculinity and, uh, you know... There seems to be, again, you know, Aquinas spoke about kind of, you know, you know, the mean and how, you know, the uh, deficiency on one side and, ex you know, the excess on the other. And, you know, I came across this young man who, I, who became a whistleblower for um, Pinterest. And uh, if you were to look at him, he's kind of, you know, fairly... Uh, scrawny chap small uh unremarkable yet he took amazing steps he put his own career at stake and he did the right thing by you know um whistle by becoming a whistleblower uh concerning pinterest who had been kind of subverting christian and pro-life messages and i would consider that young man eric cochran to be masculine I mean, we see many young men these days, and there's nothing wrong with exercising or fitness, but who will be all beefed up and they're all pumped up. And yet that to me is not masculinity. Masculinity is doing something when it's difficult, like Eric Cochran. I mean, he wasn't, as I said, this, you know, ultra muscle bound uh, individual, yet he did what was hard. And I think... In our culture, we confuse appearances with, um, or kind of just a superficiality with substance. What would you, you know, um, Johnny, I'll bring you in here and then I'll bring in Credo. What what would your opinion be? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like, I suppose at the moment, I mean, you look training away and all, being at your best is grand, but there is a bit of a narcissism epidemic going on anyway. Um you know, the self, the self has become the great now rather than the group and everyone, yes. whatever. But so there's, there's that. But when I think about it, as you mentioned that guy, but if anyone ever asked me like, who do I admire? I never knew what to say before, you know, but yeah. like 
when I think about missionaries, yeah, like I can't think of a braver uh, feat for a man to do such a deadly thing. Unbelievable. Like we're not, yeah. we don't even know who they are. Yeah. But we're talking, fellas, like especially with the saints and scholars thing, like to go to places. I mean, we're very pale skinned, first of all. So <laughs> you're gonna go to these places. Bring the sun tan lotion. Deadly. I mean, there's. I don't know how they get there at the time or whatever. Traveling around, walking by foot, not knowing the local train, not speaking the languages. How, I mean, it's one thing to try and talk religion, but trying to do it uh, to a completely foreign tribe of people that are trying to talk yeah. to each other, you're trying to convince them. You, you, you're going over there. You're facing, you know, martyrs, all this kind of stuff. People who never talked about anything, who got nothing in return, because yeah. you combine it with their probable uh, austerity and their sort of celibacy traits that were to keep them strong as well. So in the face of danger with no return at all, I honestly think that is just seriously the, the most manly thing ever. I, I can't think anyone who could top missionaries in, in what they've done. It's unbelievable. No, I think you're right. And I think the media have framed Christianity as this, this kind of, you know, hippie kind of um, soft, meek, weak um, religion when it's not. Credit, you might like to expand on that. Yeah, I mean, only insofar as maybe touching on what you brought up as well uh, on the previous episode, and uh, that was to talk about uh, Lepanto a little bit, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, we've got this probably um, notion of Christianity these days, which is, um, you know, turn the other cheek and, and um, you know, thou shalt not kill and that kind of thing. And it probably comes across as a very, um, you know, um, pacifist kind of uh, kind of a religion but at the same time you know you've you've only got two cheeks you've only got two of them you can turn and at the end of the day you you also i think aquinas talks a bit about this you know you have your your duty to your to your family you've got your duties to your nation yes. as well so you know um lepanto was a a case in point you know um and that was a a christian naval army or I should say Christian Navy against um, the Ottoman Navy and I think they were vastly outnumbered and, When um, was this credit can you remember period uh, oh, I know I think it was it around uh, the 1400s was it I think it was around the 1500s I think we'll, right. we'll clarify these so don't worry in the next uh, sorry for putting you on the spot I just wanted people to understand you know kind of the time that we're talking about go on sorry yeah. So, so I mean, you know, a lot of the today's con conception of Christianity is a, is a very kind of um, soft religion in, in a way, but uh, it's anything. It's anything, but I mean, we've we've got this probably. I, I was going to say idealized conception of of, of what uh, Christianity is, but uh, in times past, um, you know when the backs were up against the wall, you know, uh, Christianity um, could easily have, have um, you know, fallen away if, if the... And they were outnumbered, weren't they? Oh, yeah, you know, I mean, so that, that, I mean, you talk about martyrdom, there was a, there was actually a, a town I was in one time in, in South Italy called uh, Otranto, where the where the Ottomans did um, take take the town and they brought all the men up to the top of the hill there, and if you um, converted, you were taken off, castrated, and brought back 
um, to, uh, to to Turkey as it as it as it is now, and uh, you're sold into bondage. And if you refuse to convert, you they beheaded you then and there, threw your head down the hill, right. you know. And um, so, you know, that's that's the legacy. Very um, brave men. You know, you had you had to you had. You had to fight, you know. And the role uh, of the Rosary. Do you know much about the role of the Rosary during the Battle of Lepanto? Only insofar as that um, the Rosary was said, um, it was instructed to be said. Um, everybody was saying the Rosary across Christendom, and uh, it was believed because the the, the battle, um, I believe, the formation the ships took was in the shape of a cross, and uh, it was believed to have been the the, the Rosary. That um, saw them as victorious, yeah. and um, there was a feast in, instituted, the, the Our Lady uh, of the Rosary, Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. Mm-hmm. So, so that was uh, I think that was back in early October. There, I could be, could be wrong. That's right, the seventh uh, of October. In fact, the battle was in fifteen seventy one, and uh, an interesting yeah. fact: Miguel de Cervantes, the great Spanish author of um, what's the. Uh, Don Quixote. Don Quixote, yeah, fought in yeah. Lepanto. But like, well, do you know one one uh, one um, saint that I'm very uh, attached to is a new uh, newly canonized saint, and it's um, Saint Jose Sanchez del Rio, who was only fourteen when he was executed by the Mexican socialists in the nineteen twenties. And that's where we get the uh, Vive el Cristo Rey, Long Live Christ the King uh, slogan. And, um, you know, I just find it remarkable that a young boy of 60 or 14, rather, could put a lot of us to shame and especially clergy today to shame with his courage. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think we have to hopefully inspire other people, our, our listeners, and uh, and everybody that's listening has to has to kick on now and, and inspire other people. Um, because I I honestly believe this is probably the only way back for us. Because um, if we continue down the slippery slope of modernism and um, apostasy, I, I don't think I don't think there's any word other word for us. Then uh, we're, we kind of sever ourselves from all all, all tradition. And uh, we don't have the, we don't have any any unity between our own between ourselves anymore. Yeah. Uh, because we'll 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 all kind of split up into, you know, whatever mods and goths and ravers and skaters and you know it's just the there's, there's no unity of, of purpose um, between us and there's there's no moral moral order. Yeah. And we deprive ourselves of all of that, and then we become easy pickings for this kind of tsunami of, of um, uh, you know, um, I, I wouldn't even call it progress, you know, regression. Yeah. Right? Because it's, yeah. it's we're regressing into, into um, you know, to a point where we can't even tell the difference between um, a man or woman. We can't even define simple things anymore. Yes. And uh, so it's really important uh, on, mul- on multiple levels for us to for us to per- persevere. But do you think we're entering Johnny a period now where kind of um, you know a certain persecution? I know Credo spoke of it there today, and I know he's spoken it 
uh, spoken about it rather in the past, and that sometimes during moments of persecution, you know, it's a test of, you know, by God. I mean, we've often said it's yeah. very easy to be very religious in Ireland during the 1950s when everybody was religious or Catholic, and it's not so yeah. easy now. And in a way, I kind of get emboldened by it. Johnny, what would your opinion be? Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, I think we were laughing before we were saying this, but it's like the religious now are the punk rockers of Ireland, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. They, reviled. They, they, we're, they, we're, we're reviled. <laughs> yeah, we're very well behaved. We're, we're like, oh, we're, we're, they, 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 you know, you kind of, um, this, like back in the 80s when, you know, probably a punk rocker walked into, uh, you know, a crowded room, like, you know, all the eyebrows would go up and, yeah. you know, yeah. and look at your man, the elbowing each other yeah. and stuff, you know. And yeah. now, sure, like, if you're, you know, if you get down on your knees to say a prayer, like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know. We'll have to grow religious dreadlocks. It's big stuff. But, uh, you know, these guys, they're icy. I, I, I think they're fantastic. The guys that are preaching, you know, the word on the street and all that. Yeah. I think they're brilliant. And there's this one young fella there now. He'd be around the place. And uh, he's speaking against abortion. Fair play. And That's really, courage. in this climate, yeah. that is a very, very ballsy act to do, like. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's very courageous. This tough guy, like, very tough guy, you know what I mean? He's standing out there, he's saying what he has to say, he's taking the flack. It's unbelievable. No, I, I need to admit something here. I did something dishonest a couple of months ago. As I said, I'm not perfect, and at the time, I suppose yeah. I thought it was a good you thing. You need to save this for the confessional, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're my confessional, lads, in these days, but... I think I think I told both of you this story anyway, and um, I was so fed up that you know my yeah. local clergy were quite lackluster, but um, mm. you know I told my parish priest I was thinking of converting to Islam. I wasn't, so I was just waiting to see you know what was yeah. the level of his um, you know interest, and I he, mm. I was waiting for him to say, "Listen, come on in over for a cup of tea. We'll chat about is there something that you know." And he just dismissed and just said, grand, that was it. That was the level of his interest. That was the parish oh, priest. Man. Yeah. Gee. It sounded like it was kind of nearly building up to a kind of a father Ted moment there where he'd say, do you know what? I was thinking of joining too. <laughs> but the two, he did go off. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. But apathy, no. though. Pure, pure apathy, like. Well, that's it. Like, I mean, can you, like, can you blame him when the highest ranking prelate in the country said in an interview that you know if he had his time back again he doesn't know if he'd become a priest i mean i think uh, yeah. i think it speaks volumes i'm a, you know and then you see other clergy who are so apathetic about their own faith but then suddenly develop this verver and yeah. an enthusiasm for islam and saying oh yes we must engage now with muslims and yeah. you know yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, Islam rejects the divinity of Christ. I mean, mm. you are, if you believe in something firmly, then, you know, by accommodating another faith that denies that central tenet, that says an awful lot about your own faith, it's like, as far as I'm concerned. It's like scuttling, it's like scuttling your own ship, you know? Yeah. But um, I, I, one of the things um, I noted, um, I... I was trying to keep my ear uh, to the ground a little bit with the uh, the McCarrick report. And one thing that did um, catch my attention and is relevant to what you're saying there, Bosco, is that um, McCarrick, when um, they started to 
you know, when there was question marks around him and they were trying to think what to do with him, they uh, they settled to kind of say, okay, well, well he likes traveling and he likes doing the ecumenical thing, you know, and so they left him and they like, so they kind of said to him, okay, you, you crack on with that. And uh, that was the, that was the thrust of what was going on there for a long time, you know? So while all this, um, deviancy and while all this um, predatory um, stuff was happening in, in the church, the way they kind of saw their role and everything pastoral was ecumenism. Yeah. And so there's a there's a thing there, and I think E. Michael Jones had a had a bit, and I'm I'm probably not going to do it justice, but that when you know we're we're um, probably not in keeping with our own faith and values then we start to look to the external and the virtues in the in the in the, the exogenous belief system or whatever you know whatever it is if it's a belief system or maybe it's an atheism even you know um which is which i suppose is a belief system belief in nothing but um so yeah just just interesting i thought that you know the ecumenism kind of comes. It's almost like we were talking about the. You were talking about the two arms of um, mercy and justice. You know, it's almost like there's two arms between. Uh, you know, you've got on the one side you've got uh, ecumenism, and then on the other side you've got this uh, kind of debauchery. You know. Well, I think in a way the church has become like um, what's his name, uh, Neville Chamberlain. You know, this compromise and waving the the letter of a peace at any you know at any cost. And at the end of the day, you know, uh, Christianity is not, as you said, Cred, earlier on, a pacifist religion. I mean, the very, I mean, the concept of just war emerged from uh, Catholic, the Catholic Church, and it's still uh, a tenet within uh, the Catechism, um, number 2308, I believe. And like, you know, we must remind ourselves that the fifth commandment is not about necessarily thou shalt not kill but thou shalt not murder i think the, the the hebrew word is ratzach which means murder so i mean you know like you had the crusades you had the battle of lepanto tours all these events um obviously you know just war must be understood as not uh, a means of unfair aggression but it, it should be proportionate and you know effectively effectively defensive but there's nothing wrong about defending what you believe and defending truth in the same way that a father a, a father if he's acting as a true parent would defend his children um johnny what would your i mean would you know when you grew up did you think that christianity or catholicism was a kind of a pacifist kind of hippie dippy clappy happy kind of religion and yeah you always there turn the other cheek you know um, and then I suppose the, the, was the other saying the meek will inherit the earth but I, I don't know, I mean it was only later then I started to see religion as the, the code that kept the group strong, yeah. kept them in spiritual alignment and just war is actually very very interesting to go into, right? is that, is that uh, Augustus? That's, is that that's Augustine and Aquinas I think, you know, right. like it's very interesting. It's something that I've been interested in a while, and like it um, plays an awful 
or a, a very big role in international uh, legal relations. Um, in fact, yeah. the UNED, you know, a lot of the resolutions would defer to a lot of just war theory. But I mean, effectively, you see, I think those terms in the Bible about, you know, uh, the meek will inherit the earth or, the, you know, and other such concepts have to be seen in context. I mean, blessed are the peacemakers. And yes, I think blessed are the peacemakers when peace is achievable. But I think, you know, I don't think any father uh, would be doing a fatherly role if he neglected his children and allowed a rapist to come yeah. in, say, into his household. So, you know, it's it's up to a man. To, I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, at the end of the day, the um, the battle in the heavens, St. Michael, the archangel, you know, I'm sure didn't compromise with Satan. I mean, he threw him out of, you know, with yeah. the, the hosts of heaven out of... But even intergroup, you know, the intergroup battle that's going on. I mean, none of us, you know, we, we know there's a war going on now between Islam and Christian, especially in Europe, you know. You yes. can see it. Oh, and yeah. we're kind of waiting for that to be mentioned by the church as well. Those are two attacks a day on churches in France or more. All these things that keep showing up. I mean, this, this is a big thing. There it is, is and they see weakness, you see, because I think there's this apathy. Um, I don't know, yeah. credit. Do you think that this is west-wide or do you think it's global or do you think you know it's the apathy is is just in europe and america or, or what yeah it's a good question i i i generally genuinely think that we're in a we're, we're in a spiritual war you know and um i don't think you know please god it's not gonna turn into a, a military war but I think with um, the the situation we have now, I can even see it in in society at the moment where we're all kind of dividing on, along certain lines, you know. So you've got the masks wearers versus the non mask wearers. You've got the in in the US, you've got the liberals versus the conservative those conservative minded, um, and and uh, you know societies are are fracturing and. Um, mm that's an internal thing and then by virtue of that then you've got these other religions um like islam and they they're they're getting, gaining territory you know they're because they are cohesive in that regard where catholicism isn't you know they're yeah. they are they're very sure and 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 they're, they're masculine you know? i pose that and you know to give the devil his due i mean to be fair, most Muslims, I mean, they will commit suicide. No, we're not promoting, you know, to kill the innocent for our faith. In fact, yeah. uh, Christian martyrdom is about, you know, uh, giving oneself in sacrifice, not taking someone else. But like, you know, you get a lot, see a lot of young male Muslims who attend their church or attend their mosque rather and um, are very dutiful when it comes to their prayer life. Now, they may not be as dutiful when it comes to living Islam with, you know, drink and, you know, fornication and stuff. But, I mean, yeah. I think there is an element of masculinity that we have to accept that is in Islam that is sorely missing now in Christianity. Johnny, what do you, what do you think? Definitely. I, I think um, if you look outside of the, like, what you know, what a, what a religion is, what it does for a group makes a group stronger. If this were a war, no, their belief system is stronger for the war than ours is at the moment. Yeah. Because ours is dividing us and making us weaker and appeasing and all that. 
whereas theirs is making them more unified and stronger. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's a massive thing that needs to be looked at. But I, I just think this whole, you know, making, uh, making, you know, apologies for everyone and, and bowing to everyone, that, that's not the case. Like, I mean, if it's a just war, if this is just, we're, we've got to look after ourselves too, you know? Yeah. So it's important for us to get back on track so we're at high standards, so we're strong. All that I kind think, of thing. But, you know, sorry, credit go on, yeah? No, it's just going to, uh, you know, I think where the battle is at now, and, you know, where, you know, we're talking in, in terms of just war and stuff like that, you know, we, we've got to take it upon ourselves. Um, you know, if you look to Our Lady and she said that, you know, and I believe we're in those times, she said that, you know, we'd only, we'd probably only have the rosary. Yes. And so yeah. we that's, that's the, and that's described as a weapon. And it's, it's, uh, you know, if you can get down on, on your knees and pray a rosary or say a rosary when, I, when, when you, when you can, um, you know, that's, that's you, that's you in the fight, that's you in, yes. the, in the spiritual war right there, you know? Well so, and, and, and that war needs to be won for, for any other war to, to, um, prohibit any other wars you know with conventional conventional nature yeah. i think you know we 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 kind of have to come back together as a nation you know i mean it's only a couple of decades really you know and i know there probably was um uh, a lot of stuff under the under the carpet and um things weren't in, in great shape but even if you go back to the 80s in ireland you know it was a fairly cohesive society it's yeah. not that long ago yeah. Yeah. But if I were to pose this question to you lads, you know, that, you know, even amongst Catholics and you'd see definitely amongst the Americans with the election or the election debacle going on there and people are upset and they're angry and righteously so. But I often think, you know, there seems to be even an absence of supernatural faith because like, you know, if we believe in a God as we do as Catholics and, you know, we should defer to Christ being in charge of everything. Now, that doesn't mean that, listen, we, you know, that we don't have our own wills and we're not instruments of Christ and, you know, on this plane, temporal plane here. But like, you know, we should trust that God has everything in, you know, um, at hand, really. I'll just, this is my last question and maybe we'll finish it up then. Yeah. So what, what, a quick, uh, Maybe, uh, you know, a couple of words about that to you guys. I mean, do you think that people maybe don't trust enough in the transcendental and think that it's up to us? Again, returning to the Pelagianism that, you know, we're the ones yeah. who determine outcomes. Johnny, you first and then credit to finish up with a prayer then as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do think that's a huge part of Catholicism is that, you know, God will look after things. God is good. You know that you trust outcomes. That in a way that makes you kind of bulletproof. You don't fear much. You know the great Creator God is going to look after things. All is going to be well. You're going to do your best. Yes. That makes you strong. Yes. You know that makes you strong in this thing. Yes. And, I, so and there's something bigger outside yourself sorry, as well. Yeah. Credit. Oh, sorry. There's something bigger than yourself as well. That's what I was saying. Exactly. Exactly. Huge. Huge. It's you know. There's more than us in the world, like, and all that. Yeah, but it is, it's very hard without that, go without that. 
lonely world, you know. Yes, thanks, Johnny. Credit to you, and then, you know, give your opinion on that and maybe then wrap it up. Yeah, I'd agree absolutely with Jimmy there. You know, um, it's so important because I think, you know, you can you can draw upon so much um, that uh, on your own, you know, you're 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 totally isolated. You know, we're living in times where the mantra is self-isolation. You know, in any other kind of um, context. You know, in in a, in a prison setting, you know, like isolation is a is a, almost like a, a tool they use to, to kind of break you, you know, to yeah. to um to to do you down, you know, and to get you in line, you know, and we're kind of up against. You can feel that kind of level of oppression out there at the moment. And 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 we're talking about the material comforts. The material comforts are they're kind of we can't, you can't really depend on those so much anymore. Yeah. So, you know, if you can draw upon some of that, um, you know, the, the faith of our, of our forefathers, if you can draw upon, um, you know, uh, faith in God, and you can draw upon, you know, I think uh, get, get active in your prayer life as well. You're going to... Yeah. I'm, I'm going to focus on a purpose Jimmy touched on it a bit uh, earlier as well. You know, and you you know these kind of um, fads and and that you know you're kind of it's all about the distraction. It's all about the zooming out. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you know if you go into a church and your your mind is zooming in kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And uh, you know that's gonna give you that's gonna give you resilience. It's gonna give you strength, and you're gonna be able to draw upon that. So I think uh, I I I found it's it's uh, it's helped me out immeasurably you don't need to and like i said before you don't need to get a yoga mat and um like you know, I'm, I, I i stretch myself every morning but you know i don't turn it into a religion do you know what i mean mm. and um you know we 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 have we have a huge wealth there a wealth of tradition uh of of um uh prayer we've got saints we can Hey, we can we can pray for the intercession of Our Lady. We've got so many things we can draw upon. Yeah. And um, with that, we should probably close this out and, uh, with a prayer. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Name of the Father, Father Son, Holy Son Holy the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord be with thee. Blessed art thou, among mm-hmm. women. Blessed be the fruit and thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother Holy of God, Mary, pray for us sinners God. now and at the death to man. Father, Father, Son, 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 Son,